Come on. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Sean Harper. Sean, are you ready to do this? Let's go. Excellent. Let's do this. Sean is the co-founder and CEO of Kin, an insurance company built from scratch on modern technology to make it cheaper and easier to insure a home. I'm excited to have you on. Sean, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. um yeah uh so ken is a company that i started with a friend of mine lucas a few years ago and that's really what i do for the last 15 years or more i've been uh starting financial technology companies and it's it's something i love to do because i'm a nerd at heart and i you know i grew up programming at an early age and i just i love computers and if you look at a bank or an insurance company or a trading firm, they're basically software companies at their core. Like everything can be done or should be done on, on the computer. It's it's all, you know, virtual. Yet if you look at those companies, uh, a lot of the times the software and the technology they run on is really old. Uh, you know, sometimes decades old, which which really causes a lot of problems for them. And so the niche that Lucas and I have, have carved out is We'll basically choose a financial product and we'll build that whatever it is, insurance company or payments company from scratch on really modern technology. And it, it gives us a lot of advantages in terms of efficiency and nimbleness. Um, so before that, we were both uh, before we got into the starting uh, financial tech companies, we were both management consultants, which is you know, a really great way to start. Uh, I was at BCG and Lucas was at Accenture. And that's sort of how we got into this. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I, I can 100% identify with what you're talking about. I spent I spent 10 years with a very, very large life insurance company, and it was always astonishing to have to use their, their legacy systems. And you think about having to go back, and I don't even know how you do it, but 150 years worth of customer information and everything else so i i totally get it yeah and it's it's hard you know i i'll be you know we, we try to be really intellectually honest and, and the reality is that what we're doing is now we, we think we're pretty smart but the big advantage is that what we're doing is easier than you know changing the technology stack of a company that's been around for 150 years or or whatever is really really hard mm-hmm. uh in order to do that without messing it up and, and in order to do that in a cost efficient way we have the benefit of a clean sheet of paper, uh, which makes our lives a lot easier. And, and, you know, to be honest, also a lot more fun. Um, you know, cause we don't, we don't have all that legacy, uh, you know, cruft that's built up over years. And really one of the big problems in these industries is that 
it's so hard to start an insurance company. It's so hard to start a bank that you don't have the normal entry and exit that you have in other industries. This really forces them to be competitive and forces them to up their game. Uh, you know, so we, we think that what we're doing is actually really important in the sense of the world that we're bringing competitive forces <clears throat> to these industries that aren't competitive enough. We're making capitalism work for people. Uh, and, you know, when there's more competition, you end up with a better, you know, better product. And, and that's really what we're trying to catalyze here. Got it. Well, I certainly appreciate that. And all right. So you said, you know, what, well, you know what we should do. We're both smart guys. We see a problem. How, how long did it take to, to, to get the thing from concept to actual use? We've been at it for <clears throat> about three and a half years. And really, the first year was us just sort of figuring out what we wanted to do. You know, we we thought we saw an opportunity in insurance. We then had the question of, well, we are in insurance. Um, we were really looking for a, a line of insurance that met three criteria. We wanted it to be a large and homogenous market. There are a lot of cool niches you can go after. That's not what we wanted to do. We want to go after something big, just kind of where we are in our lives. Two, we wanted it to be uh, in it. A, a line of insurance that was overly intermediated where there are too many middlemen. So when products are complicated, you need middlemen because you need someone to explain it. When products are simple, uh, you may have used to need middlemen, but now you can use technology. And then the third thing we were looking for was uh, an area where there were new sources of data that could be used for pricing and underwriting. And so it took us basically a year to figure that out, that, that home insurance was the yeah, and, and not just home insurance, but other buildings too, but it's mainly single family homes that we do, was really the the line of insurance that best met those three criteria. So, you know, the first year was spent sort of refining that investment thesis um, and writing a bunch of software, and we were able to launch the product about, uh, about a year after we first started noodling on it. Um, and, you know, the last two years, we feel like <laughs> we've come a long way since then. Sure. Uh, but But the... You know, the, the very, uh, you know, the MVP, like the minimum viable product was something we launched about a year into the business. So, it, you know, this insurance, there's a lot of setup that's required. There's regulatory stuff. There's a lot of base technology that needs to be built. Uh, you need a lot of capital for it. And that just took us a lot of time to set up. Got it. So what you're not an insurance company or, 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 or perhaps you are. We actually are now. Um, yeah. So when we when we first started, we were basically like uh sort of a tech-enabled insurance brokerage. Mm -hmm. And we did that for the first uh, six months or so. And then from there, we moved a little bit up the food chain and we became something called a managing general agent or MGA. And that that's basically a virtual insurance company. So we were doing all the work of an insurance company, except we were renting the actual insurance license uh, from somebody else from another insurance company who's really only in the business of renting out that license. And so we did that for uh, about another year and a half. And then uh, this summer, we actually formed our own insurance entity. And it's it's a really cool entity. It's actually, uh, it's actually an insurance entity that's owned by our policyholders, by our customers. It's called Kin Interinsurance Network. And then we, uh, Kin, the technology company, actually manage that on behalf of our customers and get paid a fee to do that. So it's, it's a, it's a little bit of a novel structure. It's sort of like how a mutual fund works uh, if you're investing in stocks, um, and it, it allows uh, us to not have a, a, a legacy insurance company in the mix, 
we don't, you know, we don't have to rent the license or pay the fee to do that anymore. But it also allows our policyholders to really have a stake in the success of the company, uh, which you know allows them to actually have lower prices and and a better experience over time, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's very cool and fascinating. To, I mean, is is that the direction you always wanted to go, or was that sort of once you figured it out, you say, well, you know what, this would be pretty cool and it'd be good for everybody if we actually went this direction? <laughs> yeah, um, we we definitely started out thinking that we would never become an insurance company. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of uh, hassle to do that. You have to raise a bunch of money. Uh, you have to do a bunch of compliance and regulatory stuff. You have to deal with regulators. Uh, we we always thought we could do it without that. Um, the the problem was that when we were renting the insurance license, uh, we found that that was actually pretty expensive. We'd have to pay uh, a significant percentage of our revenues out to that, which which is contrary to our goal of efficiency. Right. And it also really slowed us down because, you know, one of the huge advantages we have is we're a company without this historical baggage. We're a company with a modern tech platform. We can move super fast. But if you have to explain every move that you're making to, you know, a more old school company, uh, that really slows you down. And so we, we eventually just got fed up. We said, listen, we need to become an insurance company so we can control our own destiny and make this as efficient as possible. Uh, and then we sort of stumbled into the idea of the reciprocal exchange, which is what that form of entity is called, where the policy holders actually own it. And we said, oh, we, we really love this. <laughs> uh, you know, we didn't even know this was a thing, but it's perfect for us because, you know, kin, like even just the name of the company, kin means family, right? And we, we think we really think about our policyholders as family. And uh, having a reciprocal exchange actually aligns our economics in the same way that a family would be aligned. So we, we all we have a stake in them and they have a stake in us and that's I think a really good thing. Yeah, I think that, that works out works out pretty cool. So is it this reciprocal exchange that's not a term that I'm familiar with? Is it similar to a mutual uh, a, a, like a traditional mutual life insurer like New York Life? It is. Yeah, it's actually very similar. Um so so there are two kinds of insurance companies that are very popular. There's a stock insurance company where the company's owned by the by shareholders. And then there's a mutual insurance company where the insurance company is owned by the policyholders. The reciprocal exchange is kind of in the middle where the insurance company is owned by policyholders, but it's managed by a for-profit company. Nice. Well, we learn something new every day, Sean. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, and and it's actually, it's a little bit of a older structure. It's something that used to be common a long time ago and is now sort of back in vogue. And actually some of the big companies that you know of like uh like farmers is a reciprocal exchange uh usaa is a reciprocal exchange so it's not entirely a new concept it's sort of cool again i guess got it nice all right so so do you have a sense of what the actual impact is if i were to go buy it from a very from farmers versus from ken what what the pricing yeah, so- the cost savings would be so one, so there, there are a couple of things going on with Ken, and, and one is we actually don't do business in a lot of the places that Farmers does. So an interesting wrinkle that we came upon uh, about six months into starting it is insurance could be better for everybody, but there are certain parts of the country where uh, insurance could be a lot better. And those are basically areas where the weather gets really bad. And with what's happening in the climate and the weather and stuff, this is actually becoming more and more common. 
there are places uh, where hurricanes hit, where there are really bad fires, where flooding happens. And in those areas, the consumer is really, really underserved because a lot of the biggest insurance companies have actually pulled out of those markets. Um, and insurance in those markets is two or three times or sometimes even more expensive than it is in, in the rest of the country. And so we really only service those areas. So we do basically, you know, Florida is, is sort of our biggest state. And we do places that touch the Atlantic Ocean and the Gulf Coast. And then we're getting into uh, places in the West where wildfires happen, and primarily California. Um, so a lot of the times our customers maybe can't even get insurance or have to get insurance from the state, which is sort of the insurer of last resort, hmm. or are paying you know, three, three X or more what an ordinary insurance policy would be. So we're saving them a lot of money uh, because we're better at balancing the catastrophe risk uh, because our cost structure is lower because we don't have the legacy tech stuff that costs so much money and we don't have an agent in the middle, which also costs a lot of money. But then the other the other thing is we're actually not cheaper for everybody because part of what we do is we use more data to make sure we have the right price for the risk. And so there are some people for whom we think the other guys, whoever they are in their market, are actually underpricing the risk. Um, and so, so we you know, have a lower cost structure on average, but we're also more segmented. And, th- and in that case where we don't have the lowest price, we'll actually refer the customer to a carrier that does have a lower price. Uh, you know, it's, the, it's the right thing to do and it's a convenience for them. Got it, nice. Yeah, it, it seems, it, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, I, I think to anybody, whether or not you, you spend time thinking about insurance or you never do, but you look at these extreme weather uh, patterns that, that we're having and natural disasters like floods or fire, um, it, it, it just made me curious, like, how do insurers handle that? And you are walking straight into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, I, I can tell you the way I, I think the insurance industry has to get a lot better at the way they handle that. Um, you know, they, they don't do a very good job of it right now. And, and I'll tell you some of the stuff that we do. Um, so first of all, we buy lots of reinsurance and, uh, unlike a historic, unlike a more typical insurance company where they hold all the risk on their balance sheet or most of it, we hold a little bit of risk on our balance sheet. And then we try to spread the rest of the risk out as far as we can. And it gets uh, sold off to reinsurers and it actually gets packaged into bonds and sold to pension funds. And that way, uh, you know, in insurance, what you're really trying to avoid is concentration. And so by splitting the risk up as much as we can and, and syndicating it off really widely, we avoid the impact of like a really bad shock having a having a. a you know, having one one event really shock somebody's returns and have them uh, have to pull out of the market. So that's one thing you can diversify really widely. Um, the other way we do that is because we're direct to consumer, we are able to uh, really pinpoint the risks that are a good fit for our portfolio when we're marketing, and make sure that our portfolio isn't overly concentrated. You know, with the old way of doing insurance, where you would have an agent who was doing most of your marketing. One of the one of the funny situations is you could sign up a really great agent, and then accidentally end up insuring a whole town. 
Sure. Which isn't necessarily a good thing because then if a hurricane or a flood or a fire hits that town, uh, you have this huge concentration which can shock your results and, and uh, you know cause you to, to lose money or go insolvent, which is, is not good, obviously. So th- that's one thing, diversification. The other thing is we use lots of data. We use thousands of data points. And as a frame of reference, a traditional home insurance company will use between 30 and 40 data points. We use thousands. And we use those to figure out which homes are going to be more resilient to the weather. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can do, actually, to make your home more resilient to the weather. Uh, you know, For example, with, uh, with hurricanes, the shape of your roof and the pitch of your roof make a huge difference. The type of shingles you have make a huge difference. Actually, even like the size of the nails and the way that your roof is connected to your walls makes a huge difference. There are all these things that they really can help you weather extreme extreme weather. Uh, and so we're good at using uh, aerial and satellite imagery and government records and real estate data to figure out which homes are going to you know, be more resilient to the weather. And, and we can insure those homes for less than. Uh, you know, the, the other nice side effect of that is that if we're able to offer insurance for less to people who have made those investments to make their homes resilient, uh, it actually creates an incentive for customers to make those investments, which is a good thing for everybody. So it's like we're not helpless in the face of the weather. There's lots of stuff you can do to, you know, protect yourself. Got it. Well, and that certainly does make sense. And so y'all were able to to figure this out because of your 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 background and to create. I don't know if the right term is is algorithm or whatever it is for going through and searching all these different publicly available databases. You're right. Yes, that's exactly right. Um, you know, so we have an algorithm that uh, takes in, takes into account all the data that we can get really about a home. And it's not always obvious right away what data is going to be predictive. And so what you really need to do is, is pull in, have a good hypothesis about what data you need, have a really flexible tech system that can pull in all these different data sources, and then have a really tight feedback loop around which of these data sources are actually working uh, and helping us predict the losses and which of them are not working. Uh, and, and that's something legacy insurance companies aren't very good at. You know, they're oftentimes operating on a feedback loop where it could take them a year to integrate a new data source. It could take them months to make a small change to their algorithm. Uh, and so that's a huge part of our advantage is we just move faster because our tech allows us to. Got it. Nice. Well, this is this is all super interesting, and I, I, you know, I have to think that it's really valuable to to everybody who's listening just to get a better understanding of of how how companies make pricing decisions and everything else, and the difference between. It, I think that that's fascinating to think about. You hire a really really dynamite. Uh, insurance agent and they write the entire town and that's really in fact kind of a bad thing as opposed to a good thing so interesting well sean savage nation is ready for your difference making tip what do you have for them so the one thing that i learned when i was a consultant that uh, really has made a big difference to me is this concept of beginner's mind and, you know, as a, as a consultant, you'd sort of not know anything at all really about, about the customer, about the client or the industry. And you'd have to go in and figure out the situation. And, and amazingly that often led to really good results. 
And as an entrepreneur, it also does. You know, in insurance, there's all these things that people just know. You know, and they, they, they know, oh, you don't do that. You would never do that because people just don't do it. For, But if you have the uh, Buddhist concept of beginner's mind, which is essentially assume you know nothing and look at the data from scratch and come to your own conclusions, uh, you know, fr- from scratch without taking into account the heuristics or tales or whatever informs people throughout history, uh, it, it can actually lead to some really, really powerful insights. So, you know, Ken, Ken is a good example of that. You know, we, we are doing something that legacy insurance companies would say, no, you just don't do that. You just don't go into these catastrophe areas. That's like a bad place to go. But because we were able to think about it without those biases, uh, think about it in a different way, we were able to come up with something that works. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on, come on. And that's just that's incredible advice for I think anybody as as you approach any kind of a, an issue or problem uh, to take that beginner's mind attitude and and mindset. So I appreciate that. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they find Kin? Uh, the best place to find Kin is at kin.com, K-I-N.com. Nice, perfect. That couldn't have been an easy one to get. <laughs> no it wasn't it was it was not cheap and it was not easy to get but it it was important to us we figured it out yeah i got it well savage nation if you enjoyed this as much as i did show sean your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas go to kin.com check out all the great resources and actually sean um what what states are you guys operating in uh right now we're in florida texas alabama and georgia the next state that we're operating in will be California. Perfect. Well, thank you again. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. <laughs>